and this is the Rock and Roll Research Podcast, where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Today's guest is Charlie Rader, a 26-year veteran of the great Procter & Gamble, founded in 1837. Now, Charlie is a chemist by training, and he's spent his career in the products research area at P&G, but he's always been a key industry leader when it comes to evaluating and adopting new to the world technologies that help make our industry better uh, and better understand consumers. So I'm very appreciative of that. But there's more passion in Charlie than consumer innovation alone. Uh, he's also a great fan of the theater uh, and uh, very active in the theater. And I'll let him tell you all about that. So welcome to the show, Charlie. Oh, thanks, Matt. Good to be here with you. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you. So let's let's talk a little bit of research first. So we got some other cool things to talk, but let's let's start with research. So how did you get into the space? I mean, you studied chemistry and yeah. Uh, what, what's the story there? Well, I mean, we'll we'll probably get a little bit into this about uh, you know even before college, but um, yeah, I I. Uh, I Came to came to to PNG and we're in this this unusual function called products research. This mix between you know uh, product innovation and market research and and as you mentioned, I'm a, uh, my degree's in chemistry. So when I first came to Procter, I'm like, I don't know why they need a chemist to do this market research thing, but <laughs> uh, I yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd come from a um, uh, previous job was at a, uh, a pharmaceutical company. So I was doing uh, wet lab chemistry, doing quality assurance kind of work. And uh, when, you know, I came on to Procter and so it was like, well, what is this, you know, consumer part of it? And in Procter's products research function is, is pretty unique among uh, consumer packaged goods where, you know, we, we bring the, the technical know-how of our products and the consumer understanding uh, together so that we make superior products and services for folks. Um, it's, it's really been a, a quite a, a great uh, career uh, learning how to um, learn from consumers uh, as well as all the, the techniques along the way. So uh, my first job was in, was in products research and my first assignment, I'm still very happy to say that uh, my product's still on the shelf. Uh, so <laughs> Olay, um, uh, Olay body wash uh, that has uh, a petrol atom in it. Uh, it's it's Olay complete. Uh, so it's a white body wash, not a clear body wash. And so it has superior skin benefits. And one of those first things that I ever did was to uh, create techniques about how to measure uh, moisturizer being applied to the skin. And, yeah, interesting. And so, yep. And so uh, kind of what led me uh, down that way was not only was I learning from consumers, I was doing a lot of technical tests, uh, doing stuff with uh, and experimenting with consumer video at that first time. So I, I ran an imaging laboratory along that had uh, did consumer video. And so I learned to do the very earliest amount of editing with a computer and two uh, videotape machines. Yeah. So even before the days of, of what's called nonlinear editing, but before the days of actually cutting, uh, you know, tape and splice. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I, I started in, in, in research uh, 
back in the day, that was uh, probably the, the biggest leap where other folks besides yourself uh, uh, would get to know get to know me was right around 2007 or so where I took on a, a corporate uh, responsibility to uh, grow um, these types of techniques uh, across uh, uh, the PNG. So it was a corporate mm -hmm. responsibility for what's called global pride or products research. Uh, products research invents delightful experiences is what they <laughs> meant. And, uh, and so did, did that for about seven years um, where that's where we uh, started doing um, innovation roadshows. We mm -hmm. have a, a prototype, so to speak, of what like the, uh, you know, the uh, grit innovation fairs are going to be. So mm -hmm. those, those kinds of, uh, those kinds of uh, situations where we, I think that first one we we had invited about seven research vendors about, uh, and that was when uh, Focus Vision was only like uh, facility streaming, and right. we had Revelation as a separate uh, company, and we had Qualview as a separate company. Yeah. And, wow. Uh, so the very I'd say nascent days of Web 2.0 uh, consumer research. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so one of the things that uh, I had involved with was we built a couple of research tools internally because it wasn't available, uh, you know, to buy out in the market research, uh, you know, marketplace. So a lot of those things were, uh, did a lot of early work in uh, video analysis. We did mm -hmm. video noting. Uh, so we had... Um, Field work. So that one of the cameras that the camera that uh, we're actually shooting this one on was one of the kits that I trained people on so that they could take webcam videos out in the field, do face to face consumer research and uh, and do live noting so that, you know, yeah. when when something was of interest uh, to the to the researcher, when the consumer said something of interest, they could take take a note. And then when they were reviewing it, they knew where the best bits were. So uh, mm -hmm. that product we called Vino, which led to a um, web uh, library uh, called Volt, which is similar to, um, you know, a lot of these tool, the video analytics tools that we're seeing from uh, folks at Focus Vision or mm -hmm. uh, Living Lens, uh, you know, Big Sofa, where, mm -hmm. where you're taking transcripts, being able to search across those transcripts, finding those bits of really interesting things and putting it and splicing it together to, to make a, a highlight reel. Yeah. So video analytics and video has always been a, a passion area of mine when it comes to research. And that's also because uh, I, it spills over into my hobbies in photography, videography, and uh, acting. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So, so let's talk about that. I think you, you started acting before you started calculating jewels, is that right? <laughs> I, got, I got the theater bug when I was in sixth grade. Uh, our elementary school uh, always put on a, uh, a Shakespeare play. And so uh, I, I caught the bug pretty early, did stuff, uh, learned uh, and performed mime in junior high, got a lot of leads in high school and whatnot. Um, and I actually double majored in chemistry and theater uh, in college at Ohio <laughs> Uh, Not common. <laughs> for a great college entrance essay, you know, why do you want to do these weird things? Um, 
it, it turned out that uh, you know right after I graduated, I had the opportunity to to join a traveling theater company called Covenant Players, uh, and I toured with them for about uh, a year and a half. Um, and actually, that's where I met my wife. Uh, we uh, we do a lot of theater together, uh, and great. and so. Um, Doing that, that's kind of launched my uh, launched my my theater career. When I came to Proctor, uh, we did a couple local community theater gigs. We did some Shakespeare in the Park kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. and then um, had had three kids. Uh, so those are pretty busy years. Uh, I recently got back into theater now that the kids were you know high school age and, and whatnot. Yeah, and, uh, started with. Uh, doing stuff at our local theater called Loveland Community Theater, uh, Loveland Stage Company. And uh, that's where I'm a board member. So I've been doing a lot of acting along the way, technical theater. So things like um, uh, video direction, uh, projections mm-hmm. and, and technical stuff. So uh, all, the, all the gadgetry and whatnot that I learned at Proctor, uh, you know, I bring over into, into the, uh, the, the theater world as well. You know, it's it's interesting. Before we started talking, um, these sounded like completely separate interests, right? Mm-hmm. But now I now I see uh, where those connection points are for sure. Um, and I'm curious. So, if you think about since you did start acting so long ago, um, you know, I'm sure that's informed a lot of you know what you thought about growing up and. Are there any lessons you've taken from what you've learned in acting that you apply in your day-to-day work at PNG? Absolutely, and and uh, one of the things that uh, I have I have a little slideshow for us later on, where well I'll show you some pics from from shows or whatnot. And one of those is from an improv group that I'm from, and and first of all, the thing about improv to business, I don't, there's a number of connections along the way, but life is all improv, right? Yeah. Life is all improv. You're all making up as you go along. But uh, one of the things that uh, that I learned in, in my time with Covenant Players is we, we would often do a, a, a theater workshop with schools and, and whatnot. We have a game we call Elephants. And uh, you, you have everyone stand in a circle. You point to somebody and you say elephant. And what they're supposed to do is they're supposed to put their, put their arm out and grab their nose. So you got to think of an elephant there. But the person on the right and the left are supposed to form the ear of the elephant. <laughs> right. So you'd go around, you'd point, you'd count, you know, you'd say the animal and you'd have them count. And if they fail to make the nose, uh, they'd be out, they'd have to come to the center. But if their partner to the right or to the left didn't make the ear or the other part of the animal, then that person is also in the center. And really what that, that talks about is the teamwork required not only in theater, but in life as well. No one is, right. no one is alone. We, we don't do any of this stuff by ourselves. Like certainly you can slog through a bunch of spreadsheets and, and whatnot, but you didn't learn it alone. You didn't, you didn't get expertise alone. You, you stand on shoulders even if you're not quite recognizing how many shoulders that you stand on, right? Mm-hmm. So those are some of the things that, you know, theater is a um, is very much a team sport, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have a lot of people that that just, you know, just you have to turn on the lights, yeah, right. So uh, the, those are the pieces where um, recognizing the the connections between 
theatrical life and, and business research world, there's, you know, it's very difficult to, uh, even with all the DIY tools that are out there today, mm -hmm. there, there's teams behind all those companies that we use uh, to find people, to collect data from, to analyze and display all those kinds of those data sets. Right. Uh, you know, it, it's a team sport and, and it's particularly noticed when, you know, uh, even if it didn't necessarily fall on you, um, when other members of the team, you know, miss something, then it's like, you're still stuck. You still got to figure out what yeah. to do. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you have me curious now, right? So let's, you mentioned you've got some photos. So let's see the photos, what you got. Yeah. So what I got going on here, um, these are in probably no really great order, but uh, some of my most uh, recent roles. Uh, this one here is from Rabbit Hole. Uh, Rabbit Hole is probably one of my most serious and dramatic roles there with uh, the uh, father of a, a child that was killed in a car accident. And he and his wife are struggling through their grief and their lost loss and, uh, and how to relate to the the teenage kid that uh, that struck and killed their son. Mm. All right, and page, I think this is a page down thing. There we go. There we go. Uh, this this is uh, I'm playing the uh, the radio station manager uh, from the musical Memphis. Mm -hmm. uh, first uh, uh, tells the story of. Uh, of Huey, this DJ guy sitting in the truck there, who uh, brings uh, African American music to the Memphis uh, radio uh, scene. Uh, this is "Don't Drink the Water" from Neil Simon. <laughs> uh, so I play Mr. Kilroy. Interesting thought. Uh, just heard recently that uh, one of my favorite uh, performers, Mike Rowe, uh, also played Kilroy in a production of "Don't Drink the Water." And uh, <laughs> interesting. Roy, uh, Starts get gets uh, pretty banged up by uh, the end of uh, Act Two there, so that's <laughs> the sling and whatnot. It's a dirty job. <laughs> it's a dirty job, but somebody's got <laughs> absolutely right. Hey, this is uh, this is from one of my favorite movies and a great musical, um, uh, which is White Christmas. So I'm I'm uh, freckle faced Hayne, <laughs> dog faced boy. So the uh, the the brother of uh, the the two female leads, so to speak. Ah, uh, this is Fiddler on the Roof, one of my one of the first musicals I ever did at Love and Stage Company. Um, got uh, I was singing in a local community choir. That was something as as our kids were approaching, you know, high school age and exiting out. My wife and I decided, well, what are we going to do to uh, you know uh, go into our our uh, you know empty nester years? And we said, yeah. let's, let's uh, maybe start with a community choir. And one of the one of the my cast members in the choir was directing um, directing Fiddler, and she says, "Oh, you should try out for this." And so when the director says you should try out for something, it's it's kind of a, a <laughs> win, you know. Don't have to worry yeah. about the as as, as much. Uh, uh, Children of Eden. So uh, this is a great Stephen Sondheim musical. Um, also, uh, basically, after I did Fiddler. My wife said, you know, I know as much time as it takes away from, from the house, I, we're going to do them all together. So now uh, this is one of the first musicals that she and I uh, both did. That's great. Guys and Dolls, That's... classic, classic uh, uh, musical. I got to play uh, Nicely Nicely Johnson, 
so here it is, the end of sit down, you're, you're rocking the boat. Yeah, very nice. This is the improv group. This is a, a go with the flow. Uh, so uh, actually uh, the guy in the, in the background there uh, in the green shirt, he's, he's a, a friend and colleague from Clorox. Uh, there's a lot of um, work, but he he's created this group to teach basic improv skills. And this is at one of our showcases. Um, for me, I'm not a great improver. I really, I, I really love to have a script, memorize a script, know a character, but this is a, improv is a stretching thing for me as an actor. Sure. I mean, things go wrong uh, on the stage and you have to, to, to be aware and, and, and be able to give and take. And this is something that kind of stretches those muscles. Uh, I know that uh, Scott and the Clorox company, uh, he does a lot of improv workshops uh, there to, to get folks to uh, learn to go with the flow and, uh, and think outside the box in that way. Cool. Professor <laughs> <laughs> so it, just a, a classic comedy uh, uh, with uh, with this uh, this group. Um, cabaret. Now I think I actually have a couple cabaret pictures. Cabaret is probably one of my uh, better known roles. I think it's a it's a great show. Um, you know, a lot of serious serious stuff. Um, uh, my wife Pia uh, played Frau Schneider, who who. Um, has some very difficult choices to make, but I get to play the MC, which is all just fun and playing with the audience. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Ladies, and <laughs> if you could see me now. So, and then the, uh, I don't care much. So lots, lots of fun things here. This is, um, this is from a production of Awaited, which was a, a Christmas, uh, experience put on by our, our church here in Cincinnati, one of the, a larger church, and we had done this for 11 years, uh, where, where um, uh, my, my daughter's on the far left, and my wife is in the purple next to me there, but oh, uh, we, uh, we play um, travelers as, uh, as we're traveling uh, into Jerusalem uh, around the nativity time, so it's, it's a, it was a fantastic production, and it was sad to see it go, but uh, it's uh, it's something that uh, my my youngest there. This is her last year. She says, "I don't remember Christmas without it." So it, it, uh. It, uh, it's a it's a great memory. This is my last role. Uh, that before COVID hit, this was uh, February, so we opened up on Valentine's Day of uh, uh, 2020, and uh, I I. Uh, played the, the pastor there in The Importance of Being Earnest, uh, the Reverend Chaucible. So uh, a, a modern take on it, but um, Oscar Wilde's uh, famous comedy there. So yeah, yeah that's, uh, that's uh, kind of a uh, trip down memory lane when it comes to uh, some of the roles and, uh, and fun that I have with, with doing theater. The things that you don't see are the technical work on, you know, all the projection uh, work that I did for um, Bugsy Malone and for Cabaret and, and whatnot, cool. where we're, in, we're creating and, and developing the environment there, something that uh, projection and video is kind of a new thing to community theater, you know, mm -hmm. as, as, as it trickles down from Broadway uh, with, with fantastic uh, musicals like Anastasia that, that have these brilliant graphics or even Frozen. Um, how do we translate that into 
kind of the low budget, but but how do we we build these these newer effects that way? So so yeah, yeah. I, I do uh, you know producing technical as well as the performing bit. No, that's that's so so cool, and it's it's really neat that you get to share a lot of it with your family as well. Uh, that's got to be extremely rewarding. It, it is so. Like for example, in uh, in Memphis, my uh, oldest uh, was actually uh, an assistant choreographer and a member of the cast as well when she was uh, taking a break from university uh, and was doing a lot of virtual stuff uh, here in Cincinnati. So yeah. Um, all of our family has uh, has performed one way or another along the way. <laughs> Super cool. Excellent. Cool. Thanks. Thanks so much for sharing that. That was a lot of fun. So uh, let's switch gears again. So you, uh, as I mentioned, and, and you talked, you were really uh, on the hunt for new to the world tools in the research industry. And, and if you couldn't find them, you built them. Um, so as you kind of look at where we're at now, um, what is on the horizon? What what matters? Do you think? Well, I mean, obviously, with uh, our current COVID um, informed marketplace, you, you know, COVID turned upside down the qualitative world quite a mm -hmm. bit. Absolutely. The 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 aspects of um, it stretched a lot of my my uh, own colleagues thinking about. You know how do we how do we get in touch and talk with consumers? So these aspects of, um, you know, we're doing a Zoom call. Nobody yeah. heard Zoom hardly before COVID. Everybody right. now, now they call it Zoom fatigue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the 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 utilization of the the power of the internet, especially for video, is super powerful, and it still is. So you know, there's there's quite a number of vendors that we are. Uh, have been using to do one-on-one -on -one connects and small connects, uh, even even the virtual focus group. Although that's definitely not one of my favorite techniques, I, I recommend to my um, my own colleagues to use those judiciously. Because um, yeah. uh, you know the the free piece of advice that I give them, like you think you're talking to six people for one hour, but you're really talking to one person for about fifteen minutes. Yeah. Uh, and, and and of course you'll you'll get the dominant person, uh, and then you're talking to that person for about forty minutes. Yeah. But uh, when it, when it comes to um, you know utilizing the power of, of uh, the connected uh, internet, not only can we take videos like this, these essentially talking head interviews, but then we add transcription, search, and the clipping, and then you can really bring insights to uh, to the forefront so the the explosion of uh video analytics tools i find still super very super important um, right. being able to bring those uh to bear i think um that uh the you know we've all been tested in in uh recognizing that the quantitative space has always been you know an easy path into digital uh but now we have tools such as uh like one q and a lot more of these um one-on-one -on -one, uh ways of uh, to connect to to consumers that mm -hmm. that went beyond the the larger panel provider went beyond the 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 you know big uh big ones of you know cantar gfk ipsos and, and yeah. what. 
uh, to get to, uh, I think sometimes, a, not to say that those places didn't provide quality, but there, there are different levels of quality that you can screen through, I think, a lot faster in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, uh, vendors in this space where we're, we're starting to close the gap between the, the research team and the consumer is, is really uh, one of those things that, that I look for and, uh, and you know, recommend to, to, to the products teams. Maybe uh, some of some of the your listeners would probably uh, want to understand kind of well, where do I sit in in the organization? What is it that that I do these days? Mm -hmm. uh, function called products research testing. We call it PRT, and uh, I'm basically an internal consultant to our our R and D team. So what I was doing in a corporate world, I now do specifically right now for the North America Pampers uh, and and baby care business. Okay. I help find, and here's the elevator speech. I, I help research teams uh, refine their learning objectives to determine what are the best um, uh, techniques and vendors that will get their research questions answered. Um, liaise with those vendors to help them execute with excellence so that they'll deliver data sets that will drive uh, decision-making and project impact for these project teams to get us out into the market faster. So that that's the cool. elevator of what, what PRT is. And so, you know, while I'm not looking uh, oftentimes quite in the same broad corporate space anymore, that is the, the heart of what uh, this, this PRT group does, which is uh, looking to, to bring uh, great insights and vendors to, uh, to our project teams so that our project product researchers can focus in on the product package experience and less about what's the latest, greatest, shiniest technique out there, or I just heard about this vendor and what do I do with that and those kinds of things. So we help smooth over some of the, the, the governance, help, help be the methodology experts to uh, allow people to um, really, you know, focus in on the the product that people are going to buy, right? I'm, I'm definitely just the middleman along, along the way here, but it, it's to smooth the road and, uh, and help folks navigate, you know, with, with uh, you know, the way that internet companies and how technology uh, and technology companies are, are now kind of disrupting what was the traditional market research space with, you know, the big companies, you know, anyone can, can basically create a web page and put a poll app on there, right? Uh, right? Uh, so, so anyone can, can do consumer research and, and the, the multiplicity of, of vendors in the space uh, are there. So the question is, is what's quality? What, what, is, what is great data collection? And more importantly than data collection, because like I said, um, you know, everybody has a mobile phone, you can get text and pictures and video, you can collect these things because it's storage is cheap. Right. What's most important is the analytics. What is, what is it, uh, how does it translate that data into insight uh, quickly? Yes. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah, and that's something I've always admired about P&G and I've had the good fortune to, to work with Proctor a couple stages along the way is, is just that rigorous approach uh, to research and uh, not taking low quality for an answer, right? 
Um, so very, very cool. Uh, it's, a, it's an excellent role. So, so yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, cool. All right, so I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, Charlie. So uh, I don't know where you have time to uh, consume media, uh, but I assume that you do to some extent, right? This is a podcast. So uh, what other uh, media, whether it be podcasts, books, whatever, um, are, are you finding interesting either personally or professionally nowadays? Sure. Um, most of my most of my podcasts, I, I, I went wide for a while. I'm, I'm, diver, I'm uh, converging again. So now I, I'm, I'm down to a, a handful of podcasts. But, you know, I've loved TED Radio Hour uh, as ways to learn hidden brain um, uh, behavior, you know, behavior science and, and whatnot is is uh, is is something super interesting to me. So I follow a number of those podcasts. Um, I, I listen to a, a, a daily news blog called The World and Everything in It. Um, I, 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 as I mentioned before, one of my favorite performers is Mike Rowe. His, uh, his um, podcast is uh, something that I, I look forward to listening to. Um, so yeah, those are those are on the on the podcast listening side and and um, you know on the on the YouTube side because I know part of this is YouTube. Uh, Smarter Every Day is definitely one of my my favorite ones along with Veritasium, uh, where it's it's how do you think about science and how do you think about uh, you know learning in, in those ways. So yeah. some of my there. Oh great great cool excellent so. This is a question I've been waiting for, Charlie. I know we've been talking theater, we've been talking research, we've been talking analytics, all that stuff. But when it comes down to it, it is the Rock and Roll Research Podcast after all. So, <laughs> so I need to know, I need to know. You're stranded on a desert island. You've got three records at your disposal of your choosing for the rest of your days. What are they? Ooh, um, so uh, I would say there's, you know, I, I have a quite a wide range of things, so so three is, is difficult. But um, I would say, kind of like on the, the rock and roll side of life, uh, one of my one of the formative albums for me was U2's Joshua Tree. Ah, yeah, very nice. One of my classic. First, yeah, absolutely. One of my first uh, stadium concerts and and whatnot. Um, so so that's uh, that's number one. I'd say probably we need to have uh, some show tunes in here, and I would probably say um, one of the favorite ones to just sing and, and do is Guys and Dolls. I, I yeah. have had a great time doing that that show. So we'll put the Guys and Dolls soundtrack in there. Cool. And, and uh, the other aspect is uh, is uh, you know I mentioned some. Uh, my church and so I, I come from a christian background probably one of the other albums is uh and this is kind of goes back to like the early 70s guy by the name of keith green uh, mm -hmm. so best of keith green albums uh very challenging and uh and uh soul building for me great great i am impressed at how quickly you were able to rattle those off so those really I'm must be your three i'm, I'm not <laughs> an audiophile but, uh, but I was able to uh, uh, really think, you know, what are those things that are important and re reflect kind of this span of, uh, you know, I'm not a researcher, I'm not just an actor, I do all these other things too, so. Yeah, great, great. Well, uh, I really appreciate your time. Um, love to, to hear your story and uh, love to see the pictures uh, of the acting that you're doing. And, and of course, uh, sharing your wisdom of uh, where research has been and where it's headed. So. 
Really appreciate it. It's great to catch up as always, Charlie, and rock and roll. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. It was terrific. <laughs>